also praising God for that this fall because the last few falls have been really, really interesting. Also, uh, just a quick little note, if you are a life group leader here today, or if you're a deacon, or if you're an elder uh, here at our church, we just have a little book for you over at the Welcome Center over here. So this is a tiny little book called Surprise the World. This is um, the book I'm using as a springboard to kick off our fall uh, sermon series. So if your life group is going to be talking about this during uh, your sessions, please make sure you grab it. It's just our gift to you as a leader here. And uh, it's tiny. It's a real easy read. It's not like normally the big giant theology books I try to make you to read. This one, I'm assuming everyone's going to read this one because look how small it is. It's really small. But what this is about and what we're going to talk about in this fall sermon series is developing habits to bless the world. Because that's the call that God has on our lives. That's the purpose of why God gave the church to be a blessing to the entire world. And if I'm honest, I don't always have a habit of doing that. I can be a little bit self-focused and worried about my world and worried about the things I have to deal with. We have to develop habits in order to be a blessing to the entire world. So that, that book is over there for you to grab. And also, I just want to give a quick thank you and a shout out to Dave and Heather Kimball. So they head up our church online ministry. And so I really appreciate all the work that they've done. When we launched church online back in March of 2020, um, we had been playing around with online ministry for several years. In fact, about nine years ago, I tried to roll church online out here. And everyone looked at me like, you're all crazy, Kevin. We don't need this. This is a colossal waste of time. I felt very vindicated in March of 2020. Very vindicated. Everyone who thought I was a nut about what church online can do are all calling Greenbelt now going, how are you reaching so many people? We've seen over 170 people in the last two years raise their hand and give their lives to Jesus. Okay, I haven't seen that in 10 years before that. Okay, So really thanking, uh, thanking Dave and Heather as they build that team and, and work with that team to be a blessing to the world, to be able to bring these services and to connect and pray and, and just care for people wherever they're at. So this morning, we're in uh, the last Sunday of our summer series, uh, going through the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet, you know, lived hundreds and hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus. And he spoke into a culture where the people of Israel were, (laughs) life was not good. Like, they had enemies who kept attacking them and destroying their city. First it starts with the Assyrians, and then it goes to the Babylonians. They go into what's known as the the exile, the Babylonian exile, and uh, they spend 70 years with their entire way of life just completely destroyed. And Isaiah, in that context, brings a message of hope, of salvation, and to let them know that God has not forgotten them. Uh, about a month ago, I was uh, listening to a podcast. Uh, I listen to a lot of leadership podcasts, um, but my background before going into ministry, if you don't know me, I worked in the computer industry, so I love data, I love science, uh, I love analytics, because analytics tell a story of what's going on. And so I was listening to this podcast, and I think it was done by the Barner Research Group, and they, they surveyed, and this is American data, so we'll take it with a grain of salt here in Canada, but they did a survey to people. People who don't attend church, so non-Christians, people with no faith background, and they ask, what do you think of Christians? How do you think those answers were? 
See, you already know, like you're already smirking and chuckling, and maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian, and you're like, I'll tell you exactly what I think of Christians, okay? Uh, They're hateful. They're bigoted. They're anti-science. This was, that was top three. Hateful, bigoted, and anti-science. Top three. Okay? And then the list went on and on and on. It didn't paint a very pretty picture of what non-Christians thought of the church. And then they did the exact same questions to Christians. And they asked, how do you think the world sees you? And do you know what their top three were? Loving Merciful and compassionate. Hate-filled, bigoted, and anti-science compared to loving, compassionate, and merciful. That's a big gap, right? Is, is that just me? Right? When, when I was listening to this and I'm documenting, I'm writing this down, I'm like, that's a big gap. Now, we as a church here, like Greenbelt Church, we're not going to change people's perception out there unless we give them something different to perceive. Think about that. You're never going to change someone's perspective on their view of the church until you and I give them something different to perceive And that's what I want to talk about today as we conclude this series in Isaiah. We're looking at the very last chapter of the book of Isaiah. It's chapter 66. If you want to follow along in your Bible, you can. If you use the YouVersion Bible app, there's an outline in the events tab there that you can find, and you can follow along that way as well. But see, God all throughout the book of Isaiah is speaking through his prophet and constantly telling the people of God that your actions have consequences. The way you choose to live, the way you choose to worship, the decisions you make, there are consequences. Sometimes the consequences are personal. There's difficulty, there's hardship, there's pain, there's suffering because of the choices we've made. Sometimes the consequences are external. We hurt other people. We drive other people further away from God by the decisions we make. And so as we look at this very last chapter, what I want to help you do is to look at how has God called you to live. And the perception that you are giving the world around you, whether it's your family, your kids, your colleagues at work, your friends at school, what perception are you giving them about God, about the church, about our faith? That's what I hope we can accomplish together today. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 66. Um, I'm going to read the whole chapter, and I'm, and I'm going to do some little pauses in here just to kind of help explain some of the things that are going on, because it's not always clear what the prophet is talking about here. And um, so it's, it's not that long. It's only 22 verses, but I did want to just read it, because these are God's final words here to people, again, in exile. They haven't come home yet. They haven't come back to their way of life yet. They're about to. And God kind of reminds them, don't forget there's hope. Don't forget there's salvation coming, but also don't forget there are consequences. 
Like here in my NIV version of the Bible, it's got the heading calling this chapter judgment and hope. Those are two funny words that don't always play very well together, right? Judgment and hope. But this is what God wants to say to his people in these final words here of this letter. So let's read Isaiah chapter 66. So this is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. And then you have to kind of put a little bit of sarcasm now into this next verse. It says, where is the house you will build for me? He's telling people who want to build temples and, and build cathedrals and all. They want to build these glorious you know, constructions for God to make his home in. And God's like, yeah, you, there's nothing you can build. Don't even try. Because I created the heavens and the earth, the stars, the moon. I put everything into place and everything into orbit. And I've created this vastness of galaxies upon galaxies upon galaxies upon galaxies. Too numerous to count. Your little building nice try, right? This is what he's reminding them. He goes, has not my hand made all of these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. And he continues, said, these are the ones I look on with favor. These are the kind of verses that should just jump out at us. When God's looking at favor on people, who would like the favor of God? A few hands. Okay, cool. So this is what it is. These are the ones on, I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit, and who tremble at my word. But whoever sacrifices a bull is like one, uh, one who kills a person. Whoever offers a lamb is like the one who breaks a dog's neck. That's kind of nasty. Whoever makes a grain offering is like one who presents pig's blood. Whoever burns memorial incense is like the one who worships an idol. Right? And, but this is weird because he's actually talking about their way of worship. <laughs> This is the way the people of Israel worship. Now, they're not worshiping this way in in Babylon, in exile, but this is what they are desperate to go back to. They want to go back to sacrificing bulls. They want to go back to sacrificing lambs. That's their entire religious system. And God's saying, yeah, your heart is so wrong. You're fighting and fighting and fighting to return to something, but yet your heart is so off. That you might as well be killing people and you might as well be kicking puppies. That's the Kevin paraphrase of this verse. Okay. And it continues. Jump down to verse four. It says, and so I'll choose harsh treatment. Again, consequences for actions. I'll bring on them what they dread. When I called, when God called, no one answered. When God spoke, no one listened. They did evil in my sight and they chose to displease me. So hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. Your own people who hate you and exclude you because of my name have said, let the Lord be glorified and may we see your joy. Yet they will be put to shame. Hear that uproar from the city. Hear that noise from the temple. It is the sound of the Lord repaying all his enemies all they deserve. And I'm going to skip to to verse 10 here. It says, rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her. All of you who love her, rejoice greatly with her. All of you who mourn over her. Again, Jerusalem's been destroyed. It hasn't been rebuilt yet. And God's calling the people to rejoice, rejoice over this destroyed city. That it's coming back. I'm going to bring you home. And it continues in verse 11, for you will nurse and you'll be satisfied at the comforting breast. You will drink deeply and you will delight in her overflowing abundance. 
For this is what the Lord says. I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of a nation like a flooding stream. And you, and you will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knee as a mother comforts her child. So I will comfort you. This is a beautiful picture of God and his relationship with his people as a mother is comforting her newborn baby, <laughs> nursing the baby coddling the baby, coochie, 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 making all those noises that we make when we have little babies in our arms. That is God's heart for us, for his people, comforting them that way. Verse 14, when you see this, when you see this comfort, your heart will rejoice and you will flourish like grass. The hand of the Lord will be made known to his servants, but his fury will be shown to his foes. See, the Lord is coming with fire, and fire is kind of this representation of power in God's presence. And his chariots are like a whirlwind. He will bring down his anger with fury, and he will rebuke with flames of fire. For, the, for with fire and with the sword, the Lord will execute judgment on all the peoples, and many will be those slain by the Lord. This is talking about this future judgment that's coming, when evil will finally be dealt with, when sin and death will become no more. And we can have hope in that. And then it continues, verse 17, those who consecrate and purify themselves to go into the gardens, following one who is among those who eat the flesh of pigs and rats and other unclean things. He's talking about, man, you're following evil people. You're following people that are deceiving you. You're following people that are taking you so far away from God. Don't follow them. Come back to me. Follow me. Don't forget about me. This is what he's reminding them. Because he's saying those people that we're following said they will meet their end together with the one they follow, declares the Lord. Again, this is this judgment and hope all mixed in together. Verse 18, and I, because of what they have planned and done, I'm about to come and gather the people of all nations and language, and they will come and they will see my glory. See, the heart of God here, again, is he's gathering, he's gathering, he's gathering more and more people to himself so they can see his glory, that they can be comforted in no matter what they're going through, no matter what they're struggling with, no matter what evil is trying to uh, overtake them. And then verse 19, it continues, says, I will set a sign among them. I will send some of those who survive to the nations. And then he lists a bunch of nations where the people of God are going to be sent to. Verse, just skip down to verse 20. And they will bring all your people from all the nations to my holy mountain in Jerusalem as an offering to the Lord. On horses and chariots and wagons and on mules and camels, says the Lord. They will bring them as the Israelites bring their grain offerings to the temple of the Lord in ceremonially clean vessels. And I will select some of them to be my priests and Levites, says the Lord. And finally, as the new heaven and the new earth that I will make will endure before me, declares the Lord. This is this future promise that we can actually read about this new heaven and new earth at the very end of your Bible in Revelation, that God is going to create something completely and totally new, something completely different. We're not going to be little angels with wings and diapers and hearts floating around the clouds in eternity. There's this new earth in a resurrected body, in the full presence and the glory of God that is coming. And many nations, all nations, receive this invitation to come to it. 
So from one new moon to another, he's talking about these celebrations that the people of Israel did, right? From one Sabbath to another, all of mankind will come and bow down before me, says the Lord. And they will go out and they'll look on the dead bodies of those who rebelled. And the worms that eat them will not die. The fire that burns them will not be quenched, for they'll be loathsome to all mankind. Again, judgment and hope intermixed together here. <laughs> now, I, I realize in a chapter like this, there, there's just so many things that we can unpack. And so that's why I love giving you a big idea every Sunday. So if you only remember one thing that we talk about this Sunday, I really hope this is the one thing you remember when you try to summarize, you know, when you go to the office tomorrow and you try to summarize Isaiah 66 to your boss. How many of you do that every Monday morning? Hey, boss, can I just sit down? My pastor Kevin gave this great sermon on Isaiah 66. Can I summarize that for you today? No one? Okay, anyways, I'm not, I'm not offended. That's okay. Um, but here's the big idea. As people of God, we humbly rejoice in every situation proclaiming God's good news. Again, as people of God, people who believe in God, people who put their faith in Jesus, people who have been called and made holy, not because we're religious or we keep traditions or all of these things, but because we recognize that our sin keeps us away from this great, amazing God who's so big we can barely comprehend him. And when we turn from those sins and we turn our heart and our affections back to God, then the Holy Spirit comes on us and we receive full forgiveness of those sins. That's the we. It's not church people. It's forgiven people. We humbly rejoice in every situation to proclaim the good news. Humbly rejoice in every situation proclaiming God's good news. Again, there's a disconnect between the perception of the world and God's call on our lives. And the only way you and I could ever change someone's perception of God, change someone's perception of the church, is they need to perceive something different in you. They need to perceive something different in me. We'll never change their perspective through arguing, through protests, through witty Twitter posts. It's not going to happen. They need to perceive it. So here in Isaiah 66, there's three things that I want us to focus on here when it comes to how you and I live our lives. As people of God, what are kind of these postures As we celebrate who God is, as we rejoice in his presence, as we hope in his power that he wants to do today and in the hope that's to come in the future, what are these postures that we take? The first is this, and I encourage you to write these things down so you can remember them. The first posture that God calls his people to take is humility. It's humility. Again, I I stopped when I saw it, when I read this verse earlier. And it says, these are the ones I look on with favor. See, whenever the Bible uses this term favor, this is a special relationship with someone. You know, because God loves everybody. He does. The Bible teaches us that God loves everybody. God wants no one to perish. God wants everyone to know of his love. But God shows favor. 
He, there's a special relationship that he shows to certain individuals. And it's the most educated, the most proud, the, the smartest, the richest, the best looking, the one with the most TikTok followers. That's who God's favors with. <laughs> no, it's the humble. It's the humble. Like it says again here in verses 1 to 4. These are the ones I look on with favor. I look on them with favor. Those who are humble. They're contrite in spirit. They tremble at his word. When God speaks, it doesn't mean we cower under a rock and we're afraid. When this tremble means I need to look at my life. How am I doing with what God is asking of me? Are we okay, God? Right? There's this idea of humility. God chooses to dwell among the humble because they have the proper attitude and reverence of him. I don't know about you, but it seems like humility is becoming a lost um, art in our culture today. Are you noticing that? Like, we don't seem to even like to apologize anymore. Well, it's not my fault. Well, if this person wouldn't have done that, if they, if they wouldn't have acted this way, if they wouldn't have, if that system wouldn't have, if that wouldn't have happened, then I wouldn't behave this way. We don't like to just accept our own part in problems anymore. It's always someone else's fault. <laughs> and I think that's just a real clear sign that me, us, the church might be struggling with humility when we can't even recognize that maybe we did something to actually make that perception. If a world is out there thinking the church is hate-filled and bigoted and anti-science, maybe that's actually a little bit on us. Maybe we are hateful. Maybe we do have in our church history a lot of bigotness, uh, bigotry and racism and poured the treating people very, very badly. Maybe we should own that and repent and seek God's forgiveness in humility because God favors the humble, not the boastful, not the proud, not the arrogant. Now I can get up here and I can justify my actions exegetically i can take the greek and the hebrew and i can defend my bad view of other people there's a walk in humility here and we see this theme this posture that god calls his people to again and again we see this a lot in your new testament like example colossians three twelve says therefore as god's chosen people holy and dearly loved close yourself with compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience ephesians 4 2 says can be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love be humble and gentle and then even the words of Jesus himself in Luke 14, verse 11, he says, for all those who exalt themselves, like how smart I am, look how educated I am, look how an amazing leader I am, look how rich I am, look at my TikTok followers, look how great I am, they'll be humbled. And yet those who humble themselves will be exalted. Right? See, the posture of humility is very, very important to God. <laughs> And I think the posture of humility is so important to God, especially today. 
because we're not seeing it in a lot of places. We're not. We desperately need to see humility in the church. You want to change someone's perspective? (laughs) Then give them something different to perceive. God wants for me, for you, to have a posture of humility. God will show favor on that. The second thing that we can find here from Isaiah 66 and this posture that God wants us to have is a posture of rejoicing. Posture of rejoicing. Here in verse 10, it says, Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her. All of you who love her, rejoice greatly with her. And all of you who mourn over her. Again, he's saying mourning over Jerusalem because Jerusalem still at this point in history is destroyed. (laughs) It's a pile of rubble. There's no temple. There's no wall. Hasn't been rebuilt yet. And he's saying rejoice, rejoice, greatly rejoice, (laughs) rejoice. Verse 14 kind of talks about this again as well. So when you see this, when you see what God is doing, when you see how God is going to rebuild, when you see the hope that God is bringing to the world, your heart will rejoice. And then you're going to flourish like grass. I don't know about your yard, but I've mowed the lawn more often this summer than any other summer. I don't know what is going on. I don't water my lawn. I I don't know if we're just getting more rain or or all the rabbits that are in my neighborhood now taking over. And there's a lot of rabbit droppings in my yard now. I don't know what it is, but I'm mowing the yard almost weekly. It's just growing and it's growing and it's growing and it's flourishing. That's God's analogy for our joy. (laughs) That our joy should just be constant and constant and constant and constant. So much so it's like, man, I got to shut this guy up. I got to quiet this lady down. (laughs) Because there's just so much joy there. Over my life that is a train wreck. Because that's what it's talking about. It's talking about Jerusalem. It's talking about this city that's destroyed. It hasn't been rebuilt yet. It's not like, yay, now I can rejoice because now my life is back the way I want it. It's like, no, while you're in exile, while it's a train wreck, while your enemies have complete control over every single decision you make in your life, you rejoice. You rejoice. Now, how many of you, that comes so easy? A few hands. Awesome. Man, you can disciple the rest of us, please. Okay? Human nature is hard to rejoice when life is hard. It's easy to rejoice when life is good. But rejoicing is this powerful reminder of the relationship that we have with God. I I say this all the time to people. If, If God gives you nothing in your life except your salvation from your sin, if God never takes away your problems, if God never deals with your health issues, if God never gives you money, if God never gives you the perfect spouse, if God never gives you the perfect home and the perfect career and all these things that we are so desperate for, but we have been saved from our sin and we will be with God for eternity in his presence, in his glory, in his new earth. You have everything that matters. And for that reason alone, we can take a posture of rejoicing (laughs) if that's all he ever gives us. And again, we can see this come up again and again in the new Testament, this posture of rejoicing Philippians four is a very famous one says rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it, when it's convenient. Exactly. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. (laughs) I will say it again. Rejoice. (laughs) 
First Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians you know, uh, 13.11, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Again, this posture of rejoicing. Again, if you want to give someone different, you know, a, a world that thinks one way about us, you want to give them something else to perceive, they should be perceiving our rejoicing. Um, because I know they can perceive our complaining. I'm guilty of this. I can easily get on social media. I, 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 I have fantasies, and they're bad. Here's a little confession. And I think I've shared this before. I have fantasies of creating this anonymous Twitter account and just start bashing everybody. Oh, oh, it would be fun. There's a little part of me that would just love to just say, oh, my goodness, these people. And <laughs> There was actually a pastor who did that and got busted. The, the Internet's not anonymous, people. Okay, someone's going to find out. Okay, not anonymous. Friendly reminder. Someone will find out. Okay, <sighs> too easy to take a posture of complaining. We need to take a posture of rejoicing because <laughs> it's so countercultural <laughs> in a world that's complaining. And arguing and bashing one another over the silliest, silliest of things. They need to see a church that's rejoicing in our posture with God. So postures that we take. First is humility. Second is rejoicing. And then finally is proclaiming. We take a posture of proclaiming. Right in verse 19 to 21, it talks about God sending people out. Right? And he's sending people out. Like here in verse 19, at the end of 19, it says he's sending people out um, to the distant islands that have not heard of my fame or seen my glory. They will proclaim my glory among the nations. Now, some of you, you might read a verse like that and say, oh, okay, that's a verse for missionaries. Right, that God's going to send missionaries to go to like different parts of the world, go to Asia, go to Africa, go to South America. Okay, that that's for missionaries. It's not a call to missionaries. It's a call to the people of God. It's a call to the people of God that you are going to go to distant islands, and that distant island might be the house across the street. That distant island might be a cubicle across the hall. That distant island might be a family member. It might be a friend. It it might be someone that you love dearly. It might be a stranger that God brings into your path. And God calls his people. As you are living a life of humility and rejoicing, then that automatically leads us into a life of proclaiming. You see, you and I have no leg to stand on in proclaiming about the salvation that we believe in 
<laughs> to say that Jesus died for your sin, that Jesus, this, that Jesus is the hope of the world, that this message is so crucial and so important for everyone to believe in. We lose our legs to stand on when we have a posture of, of pride and complaining. <laughs> we suddenly lose our, our, our ability to proclaim. <laughs> So we have to work on humility. We've got to work on rejoicing, and then that helps our proclaiming becoming even easier. Because <laughs> right? I don't think God will bless. And I think this is kind of now in this post-pandemic world, again, as I listen to these leadership podcasts, as I talk to different leaders, as we analyze the data, as we're trying to discern what God is doing. I think the day of the prideful complaining church is done. And I'm no prophet, so don't, don't write a book with my name on it saying Prophet Kevin said. <laughs> but I, I think the day of the complaining Christian is done. It, it may have worked in a season where we could you know, guilt people or make people so afraid of hell that we could trick them into heaven. <laughs> but I think our world is desperate, <laughs> desperate for the blessings of God. Desperate to know the love of God. Desperate to know that there are people who love them, no matter how different they are, no matter what their lives look like. Because <laughs> we can be angry, we can be prideful, we can be complaining. But God's call is to be rejoiceful, to be humble, to be proclaimers of God's love. See, that's God's message. See, and, and Isaiah repeats again and again and again this concern about just being religious. Like in this way, he talked about, and we, we kind of joked about it a little bit here in Isaiah 66, when he says this returning to your sacrifices, it's no good. It's meaningless to me. It, it, it's your religious tradition has become more important to you than the mission that God has for the church. And, and, and this wasn't just in Isaiah 66. It was even in Isaiah chapter 1. So from very beginning to very end, God is saying to his people, man, if your traditions, if they're making a heart in you that is so far from my heart, then knock it off. Like put a bullet in it, end it, shut her down. Because it's just not going to do anything. It's not going to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. And God wants to accomplish through his church the blessing of all nations. Again, that's from the very beginning of your Bible to the very end of your Bible. Like in Genesis chapter 12, when God made a promise to Abraham, he said this, I'm going to make you into a great nation and I will bless you. So does God want to bless you as one of his children? Yes, of course he does. He wants to bless you. But he's going to make your name great, saying this to Abraham. He's going to make your name great. I'm going to bless you. And you will be a blessing. That's why God blesses us. Not so we can hoard it. So we can give it. So we can bless other people. Right? All the people on the earth will be blessed through you. That was the call to Abraham. It's the call to the people of Israel. It's the call to the church. You and I... Greenbelt Church, we need to take a, we need to be humbly, we have to humbly rejoice in every situation to proclaim God's good news. 
And so three questions that I want to leave you with. Um, I don't have an application for you to do today. This is a time between you and God. Right, three questions. Really, write these down. Talk about talk with God about this. Talk with a friend. Talk with a spouse. Talk with someone you trust, and ask them the question: Am I humble, babe? Am I humble? No, don't answer that. <laughs> Save that for lunch. <laughs> am I humble? Am I humble? And trust the answer that might come from that. Ask yourself the question, do I rejoice? Do I rejoice in all situations? Do I rejoice for others? Do I rejoice? And then the final question to ask is, God, are you using me to proclaim your glory? God, are you using me? Is my life proclaiming your glory? Now, here's the reality. As you answer those questions, at some point in one or all three of them, your answer is going to be no. Because I know it's no in my life. I asked myself these questions. I already knew exactly where I wasn't humble this week. I already know exactly where I wasn't uh, rejoicing this week. I already know exactly where I wasn't being used by God to proclaim and show a different perception to people. But here's the good news. (laughs) Because all of us are in this mess together, this messy thing called church. (laughs) That we're all learning and growing in this as a family (laughs) to disciple one another, to spur one another on and to trust the power of God in his church, the power of God in your life (laughs) to make you a man, woman, boy or girl who is humble and is rejoicing and is used to proclaim God's glory. And that journey starts by simply realizing that you've got sin who keeps you away from God (laughs) And that sin is, is, is just a stain on our hearts and on our souls. And there's no religion. There's no tradition. There's nothing you can do to get rid of that stain except saying, Father, forgive me, a sinner. Forgive me of that sin. Come into my life. Make me new. And if you pray that for the first time, maybe at Greenbelt Online, a pop-up shows up, please fill that out. I'd love to connect with you. If you pray that way this morning here for the first time, tell me over coffee in the cafe after the service. I'd love to rejoice with you. Because that's what begins this entire journey of becoming humble, to rejoice, to proclaim, to be a blessing to all the world. That's the journey. That's what should get us excited. That's why we should. That's why we come to church. That's why we go to life groups. That's why we go to fusion. That's why we go to kid zone. That's why we do all of these things. We don't do all these things just to keep you busy. Because there's other things in the world that you can do to keep busy. We do all of these things as a church family so that you and I, we can humbly rejoice in every situation. Proclaiming God's good news everywhere that we go. Let's pray. Father God, I praise you and I thank you for your power at work in the church. I praise you and thank you for your power and how you have worked all throughout human history of bringing men, women, boys and girls to follow you humbly, to rejoice in the work that you are doing in their lives, to rejoice in the simple fact that we have been saved of our sin. And so God, as we... uh, Get ready to launch a new season of ministry, Greenbelt's 50th year, the Arabic ministry's 10th year. 
God, I pray that you would use our church in ways that we can never even ask or imagine. I pray, God, that you would do more, (laughs) that you would provide more healing for people who need healing, that you provide more blessing to people who need to be blessed. And God, I pray that you would show show more favor (laughs) on this church family, on churches across our city, across our nation and around the world. (laughs) The prideful complaining church is not needed, God. We know that. (laughs) So forgive me for the times when I have been the prideful complaining pastor. (laughs) And God, work in us anew (laughs) to build in us humble, rejoicing hearts, proclaiming your good news everywhere that we go. We pray this in Jesus' name.